Hello and welcome to Team Performance Coaching. This is David Hopper and I am so excited about today's podcast. We have the president of Hope International University, Dr. Paul Alexander, and I was able to go onto his campus and walk with him as he talked about some of the cool architecture at his school, but mainly this new vision of a thousand leaders over the next 10 years being launched from their school. I love that. I love the vision of it. I love how big it is. I love just the dreaming that God is going to use him, the teachers, and everyone at this school to do so much more. And I really believe it's going to be done. And I am excited to be in just a little piece of this time with him and this future. He also mentions a few other things throughout this podcast that are really valuable that pastors are going through. And so please take some time to enjoy this podcast over the next 20 minutes. And if you would like, we have a book. It's called Growing Grass on Rocks. We will send it to you if you email us at teamperformancecoaching at gmail.com. And if you'd like more information from what Team Performance Coaching is all about, go to teamperformancecoaching.info to learn more about who we are. We'd love to partner with you about vision and coaching and really doing some great things just like Dr. Paul Alexander is doing at Hope International University. So listen to this podcast. Welcome to Team Performance Coaching. This channel is all about making great leaders. My name is David Hopper and today I have the pleasure to be with Dr. Alexander, the president of Hope International University, where they make great leaders. So I'm so excited to be with you. How and when did you become the president of this school? So I became the president about five months ago. So after having worked here for 25 years, I definitely went up a level okay. to become president. Well, 25 years, what were all those steps? So the um, first 16 years, I was here predominantly in a faculty position in the um, area of psychology. So I taught intro to psych, um, adolescent psychology I taught a lot, and then various other electives in the field of psychology. Because okay. I have kind of a weird background. I have a background in preaching, in psychology, and in leadership, which you wouldn't necessarily put all those together. Okay. Kind of an odd combination. But I taught for years in psychology, uh, and then nine years ago became an administrator, became vice president for academics. Uh, and then a couple of years ago, started talking with the board about whether we saw the next step being president or not, as our president was getting ready to retire. So those talks heated up, and we felt like that was really where the Lord was leading. So that happened about five or six months ago. So go back. You said you were in also the pastoral world, right? Yes. So I'm an ordained pastor. And early in my career, I was a, a pastor. I'm the, I'm the son of a pastor. So I'm one of the few preacher's kids that actually liked being a preacher's kid. Okay. Um, so I've always been close to the church, uh, and I still do some work behind the scenes consulting with church leaders, um, especially in the area of burnout and depression in ministries. So I do a seminar for churches about depression um, because that's a really challenging issue for us in Southern California. We've had some really tragic events the yeah. last 15 yeah. months or so. So I keep my hand in ministry and, and support pastors, usually behind the scenes. As you are showing us the school, we're gonna sure. walk around a little bit. Yep. Um, I believe I saw that you wrote a book on that exact subject. Is that correct? So I've been doing research and been doing speaking uh, on uh, depression and ministry and the nine factors that are leading to uh, depression. So I'm beginning to work on a book, um, talking to a publisher, 
one of our adjunct faculty has written a book on burnout in ministry. Mm -hmm. um, but I've been in front of 1,400 pastors the last year just speaking on this important topic um, because of the tragic losses of some of the pastors here yeah, uh, yeah. in the last year or so. So you talked about depression and working through that, making a book for that. I believe you also did something in conflict management as well. So in my doctoral program, uh, I chose to do a, a significant amount of my study on the way that we in the church deal with and don't deal with conflict, conflict management. And we're good at a lot of things in the church. We're not very good at managing conflict. We tend to kind of brush it under the rug and it gets worse if we're not dealing with it directly. So it's a fairly technical paper, but on the practical side, I'll work with churches if they're having a hard time with conflict or interstaff or, you know, conflict so that it doesn't bubble up and split a church. Okay. So what's weird is with my background, or fascinating or awesome, depending on how you look at it, with my background in ministry and psych, yeah. um, the, that unique um, blend is really helpful in consulting to churches so that we are communicating well in healthy ways so that we're productive. Okay. Yeah. If the leader is watching this, what is one major tip in conflict management? To slow down and to not take things personally, which is almost impossible to not take things personally, right? Because we're vested and we're invested and, and we know what we know, we like what we like. But the kingdom perspective asks us to back up and say, what does God want in this situation? Do I have to be right? Do I have to be right right now? Right? Is there not middle ground for us? to work through this. So slow things down, get some help if you need it. Um, and then the hardest thing of all is to invest my time and my focus on the other person's perspective. It is can I, can I decenter, come around and view this as if I am you looking at the situation, whether that's in marriage or at a conference table or with an entire church, is can I understand the validity of, of what they're trying to say to me? And that's really hard. Yeah. Going back, I was thinking, what was one tip for the, the depression issue? So one tip for the depression issue, based on the research now, having been in front of 1,400 pastors, is to invest time each week in soul care. So we identified these nine factors that lead to depression in ministry, and by far, based on our findings, the number one challenge pastors are having is creating space to take care of themselves. There's lots of reasons for that, and most of them are probably good reasons. But at the end of the day, our pastors are saying, I can't take good care of myself. So how do I think about my thinking about doing a better job at that? So I have to create space to create space in my work life. Space meaning where you separate yourself from work, from ministry. To, to rebalance. So okay. maybe that means spending time with people from the church. Maybe it doesn't. So, right. so I'm an introvert. So for me, it means fly fishing. Okay. So if I can't rebalance unless I spend a little bit of time up in the mountains sometimes. Yeah. Somebody else, if they're an extrovert, it may mean people, yeah. right? But it at least means changing the pattern, because most of our pastors are working 50, 60, 70 hours a week, yeah. and it's a thankless job, and it's a tiring job, so how do they make sure they're positioning themselves well for the long term? I like, so what you're saying is creating space is literally doing something that's different is that what you're saying? That will replenish the soul. That replenishes the soul. So my sense is most people know what will replenish them. They just don't do it. Yeah. Right? That they'll feel guilty if they do it or they feel like people will judge them if they take a little time off. Mm -hmm. When the reverse is true, right? So years ago somebody wrote a book and talked about sharpening the saw. And if we don't sharpen the saw, we're going to spend more time and more energy trying to cut with a dull blade. Yeah. Pastors are not able yet so far to sharpen the saw very well. 
So how do we do that? What does that look like for you? Does it mean time off? Does it mean time with people? Does it mean time at the beach? Does it mean reading just to read? Not reading for a sermon or a lesson? Yeah. What What is it that fills the tank? That's good. Yeah. That's really good. A friend told me that you have a vision for this school of a thousand leaders going out in the next 10 years. Is that correct? So that is correct, specifically in ministry. So, so as we're walking, First of all, point out some of these buildings, tell me about it, but I just want to hear more about that vision. Yeah, so so this building behind us is our signature Googie-style mid-century marble, right? So it kind of looks like Tomorrowland uh, from Disneyland 50 years ago. What's Googie-style? So Googie-style, <laughs> thank you for asking, nobody ever asked. Googie-style Googie is the, the architect's last name was Googie, and in the middle of the 1900s, came up with this sort of radical interpretation of mid-century architecture. Okay. So, you know, when you go to Palm Springs, you see a certain type of old house yeah, with yeah. flat roofs and a lot yeah. of glass. Uh -huh. Well, Googie came along and just added points. Oh. So, the points around here, this is actually in the world of this kind of architecture. This is actually a really well-known building really? in Southern California. So. You kind of either love it or you have to learn to love it. So, I think I love it. <laughs> I learned to love it. I actually, I think I love it. Right? Because I'm tired of the stucco, yes. everything looking exactly the same. Well, then we got a campus for this you. This is good. All right. Let's, let's so this more. is our admin uh, and library building. Coming off the sides of it are classroom buildings. Okay. And so, yeah, we we do have a, a vision to, to sort of blow up what we're doing in ministry preparation. So last year we had 313 people preparing for ministry in all of our programs, all of our campuses. And my dream of dreams is that in the next nine years, as we hit a hundred, would be that we would have a thousand people preparing for ministry all the time. When you say preparing for ministry, that can mean so many different things. What's a prepared student in ministry in your mind? So a prepared, that's a really, we could do two hours on that. <laughs> I'll try to do two minutes, right? Okay. So prepared for ministry now, means that you are prepared to exegete culture, right? Okay. That, that you're able with your theological training and ministry training to go into your setting, whether it's a city or the suburbs or a little farm town in Nebraska, and ask, what would the Lord have us do and be here, right? So understanding more about cross-culture, intercultural, um, generational ministries, understanding how to have a multi-generation, multicultural church that loves well. Okay. You know, the, I grew up in the Christian church where we did a really good job taking care of ourselves. Yeah. And one thing our millennials are teaching us is to open our eyes to what is around. And I love that about our young students. And that's really what we have to do as a church. We have to get better at loving everyone. Yeah. Right? At going from I to we to us. Right. And so that that skill, that decentering from I to we to us is part of the developmental path for any young leaders to think not just what do I want to need, but what does everyone yeah. need, right? Like the value of your church is the value it is to your city? Absolutely. So one of my favorite stories is of a church out in Corona area that had always been around a thousand. And a pastor came in there about 20 years ago and just asked the people in the church to do one thing differently. And the one thing was to go house to house, starting at the church, street to street and just say how can we help you door to door very yeah. simple right yeah. so they would go out on saturdays and sundays and they would go door to door and just say how can we love you better how can we take care of you and the church exploded because yeah. love was unleashed on the community one street at a time and 
why wouldn't somebody want to respond to that, right? Somebody's showing up and asking me practically, how can we love you and help you? Yeah. Right. So, so that's really my vision for our young church leaders is that they're thinking more openly, yeah. their eyes wide open to needs. Uh, it kind of sounds like. Want. Did you see the L.A. Times story on Christmas morning? Uh, they, they, uh, I, the I didn't church, read the paper on Christmas Day. <laughs> <laughs> the church paid off over five million dollars in medical expenses of the surrounding community. That's amazing. That is amazing. And what does that say about Christians, right? Right. That that we get it. Yeah. Right. That that we are here to love you. Right. It's not our club anymore. Now it's yeah. for us. Right. Absolutely. Tell us about this section. So this section is kind of our uh, one of our commons spaces. So behind us is our student center. Um, when I went to Hope, there was nothing to do on campus. Okay. And then 17 years ago, a donor said, let me build a place for your students to play. So this is our gym, all of our student affairs, our dining commons. When you say gym, are you in what league are you guys? So we're in the Golden State Athletic Conference, the okay. GSAC. GSAC. And we are one of the smaller schools, uh, but we have built a really strong sports program so we compete well. So we um, play against another seven teams in the Golden State Athletic Conference. We're under the NAIA umbrella. Okay. So we actually have, unbiased, we actually have the nicest gym in the conference. Really? <laughs> so people love to play in our gym. Do you play against Fresno Pacific College? Well, we play against them occasionally. They're not in our conference, but okay. we have played uh, against them in the past. I only say that because I'm from the Fresno area. From Fresno, okay, sure. There a little bit. Sure. All right, what else do we have over here? This is... So turning here, we have more of the Googie-style architecture. So these the are... Googie-style. These are our dorms. They're not quite as pointy as the main building. I see it just over that tree, though. But if you can see it above the tree, and if you can see it over on um, the right at the end of the building, so um, these are our dorms. They were originally built for Cal State back in the early days of Cal State. Okay. Cal State didn't want to take advantage of them because back then they were never going to have housing and now they can't get enough housing. Right. So this is where all of our students live. We have a few Cal State students that live here. And then between the two dorms, we have a beautiful pool. Okay. Kind of an old resort style pool. Really? That uh, we, we get a few students from the Midwest every year just because of the pool. <laughs> they want to, right? Why wouldn't you want to come to this weather and yeah. this campus? And then this is kind of a thoroughfare between um, University House, which is private uh, commercial property. A lot of Cal students live and walk through our campus every day, so we try to engage and introduce yeah. ourselves. Uh, so it's a, it's a small campus. We also have an adult uh, campus, adult programs campus down in Anaheim where our online programs are based. Uh, so we're in a big nine-story building down there off of Catella. So that is part of Fullerton. So that is a commercial space that serves predominantly Cal State students. Okay, so yeah. this is your... This is us. And then this is all us. This is the student center. And then over there is the classrooms, admin, and library. How many students are here currently? About 550. It's typically okay. what we have here. We really can't go bigger than about 600 on this campus because we have severe parking limitations. Um, so then we have a little campus in Omaha, Nebraska with 100 students. We merged with Nebraska Christian College about four years ago. And then we have about 800 students online around the world. Oh, okay. Undergrad and grad, kind of evenly split. About yes. 400 undergrad, about 400 graduate students. When you think about the students that are showing up, uh, first you may want to, you could describe what a current student looks like, but what's the type of student or leader that you're looking for, especially as they probably apply, correct? Right. Okay. So we're looking for students that are open 
to what God wants to do in their life. And recognizing the fact for the average 18 to 20 year old that's starting the college journey, um, that's usually a fuzzy picture, yeah. right? They'll have a very general sense of call or mission or goals, yeah. but it's hardly ever very focused. Uh, and I think that that's more true now than it was a generation ago, that there's just kind of a general sense. And that's good, but do they have a heart for learning? Do they have a heart for growing? One of the things that I have found working with millennials is the stereotype we have that they are arrogant is dead wrong. Mm. Um, my experience with millennials, my opinion with millennials, is that um, they're struggling with self-confidence like every other generation. Yeah. Right? So they have a version of themselves in their online presence that is here, but their subjective experience where they really live is down where we've all been for generations, right? Yeah. There's some struggle with self-confidence. So we want to pour into leaders a sense of self-efficacy, what they know they can do, what they know they can become. So leadership learning is close to my heart. Uh, when I got my PhD in leadership 15 years ago, I asked to take over our leadership learning and I gutted it uh, because it wasn't good enough. Uh, we were doing what most schools do and that is talking about leadership at a theoretical level, but we weren't forcing our students to get out and actually practice. So at Hope, if you learn leadership, you get out and apply the theories. And sometimes that goes great, and sometimes it's a disaster. But how else do you learn to lead yeah. except by doing it? So you get them out there in the midst of it. Are you finding that that's in churches or just anywhere? So it's we leave it wide open. If they okay. can do it on campus, they can do it in the community, they can do it in the churches or nonprofits. We just have, have like to approve it. Partnership, like internships type of stuff? So it can be as formal as internships, but we have a junior level leadership class where they have to go into a novel leadership project somewhere. Okay. So we have about 30 ideas that we'll suggest, but they can come up with, you know, fundraisers or one of my students um, did a fundraiser for her church nursery and they bought all new stuff for babies to play with. Yeah. Another one um, raised money for um, homeless kids at her mega church okay. and raised $2,200, which is the most any students ever raised, right? Really? But what we want is them out, whether they raise $2,200 or $20, right. whatever the project is, they have to practice being leaders because that's the most instructive thing. Theory's fine, but how do you actually interact with people? How do you communicate? And how do you know it's going well or not well? And I would say that to any leader, whether you, you know, two months in or 20 years in. Yeah. Are you open to feedback that is instructive? As a new president, am I open to feedback that tells me, gosh, you, you can check off three boxes, but there's two that you've got to work on, yeah. right? So how do we inspire millennials to be appropriately self-confident and then open to feedback to propel them to that next level? Is that the main age of millennials? So we're kind of at the tail end of millennials. We're starting to get Generation Z yeah. that's coming in. Um, they're a little more pragmatic, we're finding, the Generation Z. They're a little more, can I get a job focused, yeah. right? They're a little more grounded in terms of um, where they see themselves going. Um, they're a little more practical minded. Um, I don't want to use the word cynical, yeah. <laughs> right? But they're, they're a little more practical minded okay. than the millennials. Okay, older, um, you said adult classes. So our adult learners range anywhere from age from 18 to 80. Okay. The average age is more like 40. In, okay. in the online programs. Gotcha. Uh, we find that the younger students struggle a little bit because you've got to be pretty motivated um, to do a lot of online learning. Yeah. So um, typically this campus is younger and typically online is a little older. It makes sense. They probably yep. are in a pastoralship or something. Yeah, they're working. They, they need to find something flexible. Yeah. So what's your plan? Now that you described the type of leader you want to send out, right. what's your plan to actually accomplish and do it? 
In terms of recruiting or in terms of mobilizing? Yeah, recruit, mobilize, and accomplish a thousand leaders going on the next 10 years. So in order to get a thousand church folks, we have to challenge church leaders to challenge new church leaders. And one of my questions was, how do you partner with the churches? So, um, step number one was to get out and do my seminar in as many places as possible. And um, just getting familiar and acquainted with the churches. Because uh, Christian colleges are always challenged to make sure that we're staying closely connected yeah. to our constituents, right? To keep the communication lines open. So, I've just been out. I know a lot of our churches because I've been here so long. I grew up in the area and in our um, independent Christian church movement. Mm -hmm. uh, but you have to go. You have yeah. to be in front of them. Um, and then challenging them with our vision and asking them to partner, which means that we kind of go back in time. So, two and three generations ago, high schoolers would go to Christian service camp, is what it was called back in the day, right, yeah. when I was a little boy. And on Friday nights, the speakers at our camps would stand up and say, I want to challenge you to think about going into ministry. Well, we stopped doing that about 40 years ago, right? So it's, it's kind of a return to a mindset, asking our pastors to challenge people again. Um, we've done a good job of letting people do whatever they want, I think, generationally, yeah. right? I'm, I'm a dad. I want my kids to do whatever they want. We haven't always done a good job saying, you could be called to ministry. Yeah. And, here's, and here's what could happen with your life if you could see yourself doing that. I love that because we really have a movement of everyone's trying to figure it out and right. everyone's doing it their own way. Right. And we've, I don't, I don't want to say that. That's okay. That's good. It's good, right? But to inspire a next generation to be pastors, yeah. be missionaries, be church planters. Right. So that's what you're doing in the church. Where else are you going? So that's it, really. That's okay, my that's main strategy is to be out in the churches um, and in communication with our pastors and with our constituency, uh, you know, our alumni base. We have 8,000 alums, roughly, and try to be in regular communication with them and thanking them for being part of our network, but just to kind of set our, our sights higher. If you were running a commercial here and you wanted churches to connect with Hope, what should they do? So they can reach out to me or the advancement office or any of our deans. They can email me directly if they wanted to to palexander at hiu.edu and talk about how churches can partner with us, um, find out more about what we're doing and, and how we're doing it. One of the beauties of a small campus is that we, we are really well positioned to delve personally with each student. Because as a small shop, we have to, yeah. right? We have to give individual attention. Um, so we do. We get to know our students really well. So um, if, if people want to find out more about it or come for a visit or come to any of our events or come to one of the seminars that we're leading, we'll, we'll make sure that that happens. Are all those on the website? So almost everything is easily findable. Now, okay. I say that because you still can get lost on any website. Right. Especially university <laughs> right? websites. You, yeah. We have 12,000 pages on our website. I just found out about Yeah. I was going to guess 1,200. There's 12,000 pages. Yep. But the search feature... Um, certainly, uh, they can find out about any, any of the things we're doing, the calendar. Okay, the calendar. Yeah, sure. Well, I really appreciate you and what you're doing, and I really pre appreciate the vision. That's why I wanted to meet with yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. And so, anyway, we can partner. Uh, we are all about it. This has been Dr. Alexander, Team Performance Coaching, <laughs> where we want to build great leaders, and you can do that right here at Hope International University. Thank you again. David, thank you. Thanks for the time. Well, this was our 
interview and we didn't have a lot of time and we touched on so many subjects. One of the things about doing these interviews is they're on video and the architecture was so fascinating. I would really encourage you to go over to YouTube, Team Performance Coaching on YouTube and watch some of the architecture of this school. But as I listened to it back, I would have spent more time on the depression issue. What I heard him say is we have to take time for soul care. You have to have that, that time in which you know what replenishes your soul. And we only, we just hit it real fast because I wanted to get to the thousand liters over 10 years thing. But that was something we could have spent a lot more time on. He also mentioned conflict, uh, not taking things personal. And, and that's how the conflict resolution issue, uh, just one quick tip there. So we hit some things really fast that we could have spent more time on, but hopefully you got just a few quick tips, some leadership stuff that will hopefully help you. The thousand liters over 10 years, it sounded like he wanted to send out a thousand every year, which I thought, wow, it's even bigger than I had imagined that it was. And I'm excited to see what happens with that. And we will continue to follow up, continue to partner with them, partner our churches, together hopefully seeing more of our students our high schoolers our college age students inspired to go into ministry i don't know if you caught that at the end but one of the things that he was mentioning that i agree with is we have to inspire this generation that they can go into ministry that they can be in missions they can church plant the generation before we've been a little bit more you know whatever god is leading to you whatever you know you feel like god is saying you got to lean into that and that's not bad maybe that's good maybe that's supposed to be how it is done but the generation before and hopefully the next one we might want to inspire a little bit and say hey what if god is telling you to go into ministry and how can we help you go directly into ministry and do something in ministry for god it's okay to inspire our next generation directly into ministry missions church planting that's kind of what I heard there and something that he's focused on as he partners with churches. So if you're a church, I would definitely seek out uh, Dr. Alexander. And it sounded like he gave his personal email there to partner with him in this next movement of the church, of the school and what God's doing. So thank you for listening to this time, Team Performance Coaching. And like I said before, if you'd like to go further with coaching, teamperformancecoaching.info. And if you'd like to sponsor this podcast so we can do even more things, you can do it directly through Anchor. Thank you for listening and we will see you next time.